Hello, and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, a weekly podcast that takes a look at popular songs of the past and dives into their history, their meaning, or any other things that might be of interest surrounding those songs. My name is Claude Cole, but I should have been called Trey. If you want to get in touch with me, probably the best way is to find me on Twitter at How Good It Is Pod. Actually, the best way to find me is to look in my little makeshift studio because I am freezing to death and I'm going to be like just frozen solid like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. Ooh, spoiler alert. Anyway, you could also leave a comment on the website, howgooditis.com, where you can find some additional trivia, some follow-ups, and other stuff that I found interesting. And of course, don't forget to check out and follow the show's Facebook page, which uh, where all the action seems to be lately. It's over at facebook.com slash ow. How good it is, Pod. So we've got a fast-moving, tightly-packed show for you this week because we're going to look at backup singers, specifically famous backup singers who you might not have realized were on some of the records you've enjoyed over the years. Now, maybe, maybe I have a pretty good ear for this sort of thing because I'll hear a record, and there have been a lot of times when I've said to myself, hey, I thought this was a Dire Straits song. But that backup singer sounds an awful lot like Sting. And sure enough, it turns out Sting is providing backup vocals for that record. Okay, so this is a pretty obvious example, but one thing I've learned is that these things aren't always obvious until somebody points it out. It wasn't until a few weeks ago when I heard a DJ mention that Lou Rawls is singing backup on Sam Cooke's Bring It On Home To Me that I listened closely. And yeah, I literally smacked myself in the head for not realizing it years ago. Okay, here's another one that's generally well-known. This is Carly Simon's hit from 1972, You're So Vain. Mick Jagger is singing back up on this track, and it's pretty clear, especially during the first part of the choruses. And it's especially true when you realize that this was just after the Sticky Fingers album, and while the Rolling Stones were recording Exile on Main Street. Jagger was still putting that weird cowboy twang in his singing during that period, starting with Let It Bleed, and he was still hanging on to that particular affectation. But did you know that Mick Jagger wasn't the original backup singer for this record? Carly Simon was in London recording for this song, and she was working on the backup vocals with Harry Nilsson when Mick Jagger just happened to pop in. Nilsson invited Jagger to sit in on the session, and during recording, he realized that Jagger and Simon didn't really need him, so he bowed out.
let's move on to something a little bit less obvious. Neil Young's 1972 song, Heart of Gold, doesn't have a lot of backups in it. In fact, you don't hear them until the very end of the song, but there are backup singers. In retrospect, one of them is kind of obvious, but the other one's a little bit tougher to figure out. Have a listen. Keep me searching for a heart of gold. You keep me searching and I'm growing old. Keep me searching for Get them? Well, they're Linda Ronstad, which to my ear is the easier one to pick out, and James Taylor. Now, how did they get on the song? Well, Neil Young, James Taylor, and Linda Ronstad were all in Nashville to appear on the Johnny Cash show. The show's producer, Elliot Mazur, invited them and about 50 other people to a dinner party on February 5th of that year. During the party, Young convinced them to lend their voices to this track, and they came in on Sunday, February 7th, the day after the rest of the song was completed. Now, when it was their turn to add harmonies, the task proved rather arduous. In fact, Ronstadt recalled to Mojo magazine, We were sat on the couch in the control room, but I had to get up on my knees to be on the same level of James because he's so tall. Then we sang all night, the highest notes I could sing. It was so hard, but nobody minded. It was dawn when we walked out of the studio. Onward to 1974, and we have Elton John's hit, The Bitch Is Back, which came with some controversy because of that title, which gets repeated a bunch of times throughout the song. Some stations refused to play the song, no matter how popular it got, and other stations played it with the word blanked out, which sounded absurd, given how many times the word appears. The song has four backup singers, but definitely the most famous one of the group is none other than Dusty Springfield. Okay, here's another tough one. This this goes back to 1986, and it's the title track from Paul Simon's album, Graceland. See if you can identify the two gentlemen singing back up on this song. And no, it's not Art Garfunkel and Chevy Chase. I'm going to Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to Graceland. That's Don and Phil Everly of the Everly Brothers singing on this track. Paul Simon and his musical partner, Art Garfunkel, were huge fans of the Everlys, and you might recall they recorded their song Bye Bye Love for the Bridge Over Troubled Water album. Simon said he heard Graceland as a perfect Everly Brothers song. This one's kind of interesting. Howard Jones recorded his song, No One Is To Blame, for the Dream Into Action album in 1985. Now, unless you're a big Howard Jones fan, this probably doesn't sound quite right. It's a pretty stripped-down recording. It doesn't have a lot of embellishment. And Jones actually thought he could get just a little bit more out of it. Now, 
Well, someone suggested that he hook up with Phil Collins, and Phil Collins added drums, backing vocals, and basically produced the song all over again. You can build a mansion, but you just can't live in. You're the fastest runner, but you're not allowed to win. Some big rules, and lots of cars. So that's his voice and his drums you hear on the 1986 version from the one-on-one album. Jones actually prefers this version to the first one, but he's discovered that the fans tend to like the other version better, so that's how he usually plays it in the concerts. Bob Seger's hit from 1980, Fire Lake, was the opening track and the lead-off single to his album Against the Wind. It was originally written for the Beautiful Loser album, but it didn't really fit with the other songs, so it got shelved for a while. When Seger broke it out again, he recruited some high-power backup singers. Now, if you're anything like me, you probably think that this song would be quite at home on an Eagles album, and that's probably because the backup singers on this one are Don Henley, Glenn Fry, and Timothy B. Schmidt. Yeah, Eagles all. They agreed to sing on the track because Seeger was the one who came up with the chorus for their song, Heartache Tonight. There have been a couple of instances where the Beatles invited friends in to help them with records they were making, especially John Lennon, who liked some of his songs to have a kind of anthem feel to it. In fact, the backup singers for his song, Instant Karma, were just some people from a nearby nightclub who were recruited because Lennon was impatient to finish the track. So it's pretty common knowledge that there are celebrities singing in the choruses of some Beatles songs. Mick Jagger, Eric Clapton, Marianne Faithful, and Keith Moon are among the people singing on All You Need Is Love. And likewise, Brian Jones from The Who and Marianne Faithful also appear on Yellow Submarine. And while the Beatles are generally known for helping each other out on their solo albums, there was an instance in 1967 where John Lennon and Paul McCartney provided backup vocals for another band, specifically the Rolling Stones.
This song is titled We Love You. It only went to number 50 in the U.S. and number 8 in the U.K. But listen carefully and you'll hear a couple of Beatles backing up the stones. In fact, this is the mono mix and I think it's more obvious here. As it happens, they were kind of returning a favor too because Mick Jagger provided backups for Baby You're a Rich Man and Brian Jones is playing the oboe on that track. See, what goes around comes around. And that's it for this edition of How Good It Is. This was another fun one that I, I am going to need to come back to sometime because I am not out of material here. Hey, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at howgooditispod. You can also check out and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod. And finally, you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where I throw in a few extra bits for you. I'm going to take next week off because it's Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States. But in two weeks, we're going to find out how good it is to meet the thriller <laughs> thanks so much for listening I will see you then